This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 801, brought to you by the Second Print Comics Podcast. Go to secondprintcomics.com or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And I have my listeners just like you who are washing hands, wearing masks, getting vaccinated, and also drinking water. It's important. <laughs> That's just a helpful tip. Fanboy Pick of the Week episode 801. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host Josh Flanagan. Hey there. And we are a fanboy. We've made it through 800 episodes, and now we're starting again. And we are. We I don't Wait, even we're know. We're starting again. Are we rebooting? No, we just. This is going. this is episode one, Legacy 801. Right. We are a fanboy. We read our books every week, and one of us picks the favorite one they like the best. We call it the Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book, the other books from the week, the patron picks, and listener mail if we have time, and we have fun. That's the at the end of the day we have a good time hopefully don't, so do you listen don't tell me what to do it's my choice here's our spoiler warning uh, exercise some caution because there'll be some spoilers this week Josh you had to pick with a book with a legacy number on it I I, I don't know why I have to give the the justification of the thing but mm-hmm. you know this was the week where I I finished the, I kept finding new books I had to read so by the end my stack grew by like fifty percent uh-huh. and I ended up going at it much later than I thought and. You know, at the end, I just had to, like, write them all down mm-hmm. and, like, stare at a list for a little bit. Did you and make a bracket? I didn't. No, I didn't. We, did, I didn't, we should I start doing that brackets. That's, that's more a Connor thing. I went gut. <laughs> I went, all right, what, what am I feeling? Um, and, and the thing that I picked was Captain Marvel number 33. Mm-hmm. And this is the last of the Marvels part two. It's just a random issue in the middle of a thing. And I, I think what happened was... I as I as I was reading the issue and then as I got the the end of it and I read it early you know like mm-hmm. yes. like like you know day and a half before I had to pick and, and I I sort of finished it and thought that was a lot of fun and it I was. also thought these have been a lot of fun they have and I think one of the like I haven't been reading this series all along in fact it's just sort of without really meaning to I've been dropping in and out of it um and every time I come back in I'm fine. Like yeah. I, I'm not lost. I know who the characters are. I think uh, Carol Danvers is a, a real. It, it's not one of those things where like no one can figure out what her character is. Like I, I know who she is. The writer has been with her for a long time. She knows who she is, so it's familiar in that way. She has a fun cast of characters around who come in and out. It's one of the only books that uh, I, I really like. Tony Stark in and what I mean by that is Tony Stark's in every book and so it doesn't really he is he's in every book he's, he's always in a lot of books he's in a lot of and books. every time one of the books needs him he's always just hanging out in his lab and I'm like when the when does he do anything else because he's in the lab in every book they just drop he by and he's always like you, you could have called and it's like ah anyway <laughs> uh but I like him in this book because he's since Civil War he's been such a great foil for her and they have an interesting yeah. Uh, uh, relationship um, that I kind of forget about, and then I remember. Go, oh, that's why this is interesting. I I do not really know who the villain is in this. This Vox Vox Populi. Yeah, she, um, that, that that villain's been around the whole series, and I don't even really know. I don't really care though. Issue. 
Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I, I mean, like, but the thing is, uh, is it is it Vox popular? Or is it just Vox? Am I just pulling out random Roman? Uh, um, it might have started off the second one, and it's a Vox Supreme now. Vox Supreme. It's, it's, yeah, it's all tied into her Cree, her Cree heritage. So there's a there's some vague symbiote like thing that this ha- I think this is like this comes out of King and Black maybe. No, no, it's similar okay. idea though. It's it's it's. So they it get just gunk seems on to be them. The Kree are attacking all the Marvel Captain Marvel characters, right? In, yeah. And so she's got to go and warn and help save anybody who's been some form of a Captain Marvel before. Hey, and it's it's uh. It's an adventure, and there's stakes because all the people that she cares about are being attacked, and it's because of her, and blah blah blah. Um, there it's was a fun this way moment. to have a team up with all the, you know, it's like there's, yeah, you know, get, get her and Kamala Khan, and you get, uh, um, what's her name, uh, Spectrum. Yeah, well, you know, I, that's that's Monica like, when she yelled Rambeau. when she showed she. So at one point, like one of the people attacking, basically the the people who attack her are her friends encased in these outfits, and yeah. at one point, um, Spectrum who is Captain Marvel, who is Photon, who is Monica Rambeau, yeah. uh, sort of wills herself out of the thing because she's fighting the mind control. Whatever. Carol Denver yells, Spectrum? And I had no idea who that was because they've changed <laughs> the name of that character so many times. Yeah. And like, just keep her Photon or yell Monica. Or, I think like, it's funny that, in, you know, she was, the, she was Captain Marvel when we were kids, right? Yes. So it took until WandaVision... Until I actually heard her name said out loud, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Her last name is Rambo." Like, I don't think it <laughs> ever occurred to me. <laughs> that... were, were you reading it in phonetic French? Yeah, oh, I think that's it was Monica Rambo. When I read it, but like, you know, in the show they kept going Monica Rambo, and I was like, "Oh, right, her name is mm-hmm. Rambo." Anyway, um, technically, uh, Rambo in the movie is just an anglicized respelling of that. That's true. <laughs> He's also a French um, heritage. She also has her own, like, you know, regular supporting cast of yes. uh, Spider Woman and uh, War Machine and and Hazmat for some Hazmat. reason. Yeah. Well, she she and War Machine War Machine have a have a th- they're banging. Thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just be real about it. That's, that's what they're doing. They're in love and they're banging. But it's I, I think it's it's been a fun little book. I mean, you know, I, we we joked about the numbering of the show in the beginning, but. How impressive and how awesome would it be if this was issue 167 instead of issue it, 33? It, it like, would be how it's supposed to be. Like Captain Marvel, a Captain Marvel book, traditionally speaking, wouldn't, you know, let's just be honest, wouldn't get this high. But it has because she's really popular. She's become really popular in the last 20 years. And it would be awesome if this was issue 167, but it's not. It's issue 33. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that I sort of noted was that um, when I talked to Kelly uh, on Talksplode a year and a half ago, you should go get it. It's, it's one of my favorite episodes. Um, she had said something like she's very wary about her ability to do action scenes. Like that's mm-hmm. she's like that's not the thing I I do really well. I do the people talking and the relationship and the funny and the. It's crazy because she does great action. Well, and no, that's what I came. I go. This is these are great action scenes, and all yeah. through that Black Widow book were great action scenes. And you know, my guess is a she probably wasn't as bad at as she, as she thought she was, and b she's gotten a really good at it. Like she's you know she does a lot of comics. You get better at those she, kind of things. And this she is has the, no holes in her game. No, she's she's good at everything. Which um, yeah, and 
with a, with a voice that's a little bit her own, but enough that it, it isn't instantly identifiable. It's it's not like I read it and I go, oh, this is Kelly Thompson. But Very afterwards, I go, oh, yeah, that was Kelly Thompson. Yeah. You know. And you, you mentioned at the top of this review that it's you know the second issue. It's the middle of a story arc. It's not didn't like. It wasn't the start of an arc that like sort of blew our socks off, or the end of an arc that was satisfying. Oh. It's like the very solid middle, and and I would call this this book like that. Like it's a very, it's you know, it's not going to be the best book Marvel's putting out. It's not going to be like holy, sh- usually not holy shit. Did you read that issue? But it's always very good. Yeah, this, this it's series. it's it's a strong and specific form of gosh, yeah, of good old superheroes. It it reminds it, it's kind of the comic book that I consider to be like a Marvel, we'll call it an 80s Marvel mm-hmm. aesthetic that's modernized, which is kind of, was my favorite kind of superhero comic book. It's just like all this shit is going on and it's very tense and it's it's moving along, you know, but the friends are around and they come in and there's a threat and then the next week there's going to be another one. It's very serialized and frenetic, mm-hmm. you know, but not, it's not world it's not the it's not the event thing every week though it's not yep. the end of the world it's just this is this is their day and it's it's a big deal uh and it's just super fun i really like i, I had no complaints about it and i was like oh that's this is what i want to this is what i want to read when i read one of these superhero comic books and and you know in that way that's why it's the pick of the week that was the best thing i read this week and i i, I liked a lot of books i read um and over the course of 33 out. issues she's built up a really fun group there's also the stepsister who's the Kree soldier like there's a nice mm-hmm. tight family around Captain Marvel but doesn't overshadow the character and a lot of these characters were in that last event the the empire one yeah and they were not interesting in there <laughs> so you know that that sort of tells you what the difference you know of a voice can give to it yes. um in this they're they're great and it was legitimately like oh shit how she can get out of that cliffhanger here you know this is like all all you want in a serialized comic you know it had great characters, had a big action, it had an ending where I was like, shit, I don't know how she's going to get out of this, but I'll, we'll find out, I don't know, two weeks, next week, next month, I don't know, whenever these come out. <laughs> um, so, uh, this was the final issue of Hey Kids Comics Volume 2 from Howard Shaken, and it's really interesting, Josh. I'm glad you put this in the script. I wasn't even sure if I was, was going to suggest it if you hadn't, because... I just don't know how I feel about this book. And we talked about a lot of the issues, and I like reading it. But we talked about in the past about how I spent a lot of my time reading it from like a from like an academic standpoint, as opposed to like reading the story. I don't know that there's an interesting story in here overall, mm-hmm. as it is more of a series of scenes that I try to figure out how they fit into the real world. And I don't know if I step back and look at the story of Hey Kids Comics. I don't know that there's an interesting story here. Am I off? Am I off base? It's just more like scenes from the comics industry, and all, all together, I don't, I don't know that they fit together well. I think that you're absolutely right about all of the things that you just said. However, throughout the course of this, and I've gotten better at getting my bearings earlier in the issues than I was. I just enjoy the hell out of it. No, I, I like reading it. I'm very happy when it comes out. I just, I just, in this issue, I took a step back and I was like, but what is the actual story here? You know, what are we actually of, doing? It's the story of, of professionals in comic books from a very wide lens. Now, that's not necessarily a story in terms of like plot to go, but I consider it to be sort of like, and again, most, the most of the time this doesn't work. That would be like, well, that's, that's the wrong way to make, tell a story, but 
I, I can sit. It's, it's the closest that I'm going to get to hanging out with Howard Jakin and having him give me his take on things. Sure. And you're getting to see him do that within his art. Um, but I also, also wonder, like, if you don't know the, the yes. people and the stories, does this even make any sense to you? Because he doesn't, we just move from character to character from time to time to place to place with no context or anything. So, so I was wondering, I, like, is this a disaster for someone who doesn't I, I know that, anything about comics? History? I had that thought, too. I also wondered about the choice of, um, I wanted to play a game with you, and I wanted Uh-oh. to go to the cast of characters at the beginning. Uh-oh. And what happens is, uh, I actually know the characters really well through the 60s, and then I don't yeah. know them. Yeah, that is I, th- I don't know who um, is. So, but, but I was wondering, the, the choice, because he's making a choice, he's not naming these people, and he's not quite making them... Uh, enough so that if you don't know something, you can look them up. You know what I mean? Like, right. like you have to know. if you know kind of what comics was like in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you can put those things together. As we get into the 70s and stuff, it's not quite as well, it's not as clear, I think. Like, I know one of these people is Roy Thomas, but I don't know which one because I don't know enough about Roy Thomas. You know what I mean? Uh, I but, think it was the young editor at Verve, but I don't remember, I forgot which one he was. Okay, so, so okay, do you have the cast of characters out? Yes, I do, yeah. Okay. Dick Altman, GW editor. So GW is EC in this. Yeah. In this, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nick Fontana, Yankee editor. Rare is that's got to be um, Carmen Infantino. Yeah, Carmen Infantino. Yeah. Okay. Paul Gertz, GW publisher. That's uh, Gaines. Yeah. Uh, William Gaines from from EC Mad Magazine. Arnold Grossberg, ex GW editor. Right place, wrong time. Endless regrets. I'm not sure who that is. Yeah. Uh, Mort Weisinger? Something. Uh, who's the one that everyone hated? Is that... M- no, Mort Weisinger is the one that everyone hated. So he's one of these people, too. Uh, and then there's the one that everybody loved, Archie Goodwin. Like, those are the two DC editors that were around forever that I know that everyone hated Mort, and they loved Archie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alfred Kessler, That's artist Kirby. who left comics... Hmm? That's Kirby. No, no, Kirby Sid. Oh, right, right, right. Kirby Sid. He's not in this. He's not in this issue. Right, right, right. Alfred Kester, artist who left comics, never stops looking back. In this, there's a scene where there's people in a class with him, and they say, hey, are you... It's Ditko, right? Ditko, yeah, 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 it's Ditko. Okay. Jess Mayberg, Yankee editor, source of industry unity, everyone hates him. So that's... Weisberg. Mort Weisinger. Yeah, Weisinger, yeah. Okay. Bob Rose, Verb EIC, Showman First. That's that's uh that's Stan. Stanley. Yeah. Ray Clark, accomplished bro who always that's Gil Kane. Yep. Uh he uh Benita Mendel or Benita Heindel is probably a bit of a conglomeration, but we think it's um oh what's Ramona. her name? Ramona Fraden? Yeah. But well, they not. haven't drunk Aquaman at some at one point, so he's... Okay. Ramona Fraden. Or the Aquaman uh, character, yeah. Hector Menendez, writer, artist, funny, fast Mexican, two out of three. Sergio Ardonis. Okay, Ted Whitman. Now I can't place him. I have him. no He's idea. Who Ted Whitman. The black artist who's who's been in every one of these. There is also an age thing because like this started in the forties, <laughs> right. and we're into the eighties now. So these people should be sixties, seventies, and they seem to be in their late forties. Whatever. Uh, Benita and and Ted specifically, at least uh, you know they're the ones who've been around through the whole thing because they're the. It's I mean I hate to but like, they're the ones who are most recognizable. There's the woman and there's the black man. They're yeah. the only ones that you can grab onto because there's no one else like them in this. Um, and, and I think that in this issue, by the way, the two of them, there's a really interesting conversation about them drawing, and there was somebody, and it might have been the Stan Lee guy, telling them story 
uh, he's like, this is what it's like to be a black man. And, and the guy's like, whatever. And he draws it. And, and then the <laughs> yeah, other yeah. panel, he's it's drawing a like how, He's drawing like Luke Cage, the Luke Cage yep. character. And the editor's like, you got to be more authentic to the black experience. He's like, all right. Yep. Sure. And then the, he's talking about empowering women in the other one. And, and it's a really beautiful bit of storytelling. Yeah, okay, really moving good. along. Uh, Lee DeHoven, who knew monetizing the other was a viable career path. No idea. Yeah. This so, is the point well, where, once you get here, I don't know who any of these people are. Okay. Um, here's my, then, then Stan Chris, uh, he's the guy who it all goes around. I think like he's the one who's the, I don't know if he's a Todd McFarlane guy, but he's the one who's signing at the end. And I'm trying to figure out who that is. I know he's like Todd McFarlane. Yeah. He's somebody from the modern era. I don't know who, uh, then I'm not going to go through all the rest of them, but there's one which is John Mavridis and says fans consider him a revolutionary and he completely agrees. There's a scene in this book where they send somebody over to get a portfolio review for him and he makes him cry and they laugh because they said that's a thing. I think that's Neil Adams. I would think that would be too. He'd be the only, he'd be the only revolutionary. That would make sense. Who, but, but also this isn't, he completely agrees. That was the yeah. part that got Neil me. Adams, yeah. Neil Adams is not, uh, so, uh, yeah. And then, as you go down, one of these guys has got to be Frank Miller. One of these yeah, guys... Maybe, maybe that's oh, Stan Chris. I don't think it is, because I don't know that he had... Maybe he did have the swagger. Uh, he was younger, for sure. Colin James is an artist. He's currently nothing, but he's got something. I, I don't know. Uh, there's one other one, which is George Villiers, uh, who says, Space Saga's lo- so loopy, his bong is tax-deductible. And he's the guy, he's on acid and part of this, and he shows up somewhere else, he's got a blonde mustache. <laughs> right. And I was like, is that like one of those 70s Marvel guys? Like, so it's like space operas. So it's Steve, Eng- no, not Steve Englehart. Uh, um, uh, one of the Marvel cosmic guys from the early 80s. or um, Starlin? Starlin, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's I wish part of the problem I, with the book. So, yeah. Right, so what I want to know, like there's not enough there to go on if you don't know anything, which is what yep. you're saying. But if you don't know everything, there's also missing parts. Yes. But I, I can't, I, in any other context, I think this would annoy the shit out of me, but I am so <laughs> in love with the story of comics from a professional standpoint that I get through it. And it, yeah. and, and, it's, and it becomes a fun game because I have some context. Yeah. But I am guessing that a, a good portion definitely a majority of listeners are like get on to the like are have already checked the show notes to see what use the show notes utilize the show notes i i think i think i feel like the only people reading hey kids comics volume two at this point are people like you and me who have some idea what what they're they're looking Mm -hmm. at but otherwise i don't know what if you're if you are reading this have no idea about comics history i'd love to hear what your what your thoughts on the book are Mm -hmm. just just because it's just so it's so dependent on you knowing these things they did a they did a uh, uh, a second volume, right? You know, you know what I mean. Like maybe he just likes doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, but he have to. You, you can't lose all your money. I mean, he does most of the work, but he's basically just got to pay for printing. But still, yeah, I mean, you just the uh, image takes their minimum fee. Maybe he just doesn't take any money. I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine there's. I can't imagine they're selling more than five thousand copies of this. Well, that would still turn turn a profit for it. For yeah, that's there. true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, even that—that's very high. Anyway, uh, I've I've enjoyed all those things aside. I've enjoyed the living hell out of it, and and uh, I'm kind of bummed because this was the last one for now.
Although he could like the next volume would be the the nineties and two thousands, and I think that's rad. The Amazing Spider-Man seventy-five. Did you read this? I did. Eight seventy-six in your legacy numbering. I just like talking about the legacy numbering. This is the first issue of the brand new Day Era Part Two. This is the post. We're post Nick Spencer, the the Nick Spencer era that started us so promisingly, and now we're back to the formula that made Spider-Man a big success. I like, I like how you left the second clause off that. It started so <laughs> promisingly. Anyway, this this is so we're back to having a team of creators. The book that comes out three times a month, just like with Brand New Day. And just like with Brand New Day, one of the writers is Zeb Wells, and he's doing the main story here with artist Patrick Gleason. And uh, when Brand New Day happened, Zeb Wells was not a name I was super familiar with, but he quickly became one of my favorite people writing that book at the time, especially the stuff he did with Bachelot. And here, first of all, we've talked about in the past, Patrick Gleason's a terrific Spider-Man artist. Yeah. He, he's got great character models. He does Spider-Man really well. He does the big Spider-Man swinging action really well. Really dynamic page and panel layouts, and I, I thought this book was gorgeous in the in the opening scene, opening story. Um, I agree with you on the penciling and the storytelling. There's something about the the I think the coloring I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's that glossy. It, it doesn't look right. I, I think it should have been a different type of production because it it takes something away from it. I think where the line art um, on its own is fantastic. Could be. I don't know what it is, but something I do. There's this, this, this is a style of coloring that I do not like. So I have a base instinct when it comes to Spider-Man in which I tend, my, my, my rule tends to be go run and scream from anything to do with Spider-Clone. Like I didn't read it when it came out originally, it literally almost tanked the book and the character. I, I, I don't like, anything to do with Ben Riley or any of these characters. So my, my instinct was to not read this or just to stop reading after this issue. Once I saw Ben Riley was the focus of the story. However, hmm. the setup and tension here, I thought by the end was really interesting where Peter Parker sold Parker industries and you know, back when he had the company and inside that sale was a trademark for Spider-Man that Otto Octavius had set up when he was in charge of Peter's body and consciousness. This sounds all very convoluted if you've never read Spider-Man. So technically speaking, this company bought the trademark for Spider-Man, and now Ben Riley is their corporate Spider-Man. And Peter is sort of in trademark infringement. Of, it's literally know. the Stan Lee story. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, well, that's interesting. So you've got two Spider-Men running around. I mean, forget Miles Morales. He's a non-factor in the Marvel Universe. Um, two Spider-Men running around, and that's interesting. They keep showing up to the same the same things, and you know they don't work all that well together, and so it's kind of a mess. And then at the end, they're fighting. Who is this person that they're fighting? Somebody I've never heard of. Who is radioactive? And Ben Riley's suit is protected against radioactivity, but Peter's isn't, and he gets really sick, and you know he's coughing up blood and passes out. Now I know from the very little news I get. That makes it through my news barrier, mostly from in the form of the press releases I get sent from Marvel. That sort of Ben Riley's going to take over the focus of this book for a while, and that that I'll probably stop reading it when that happens. But for for this issue, I thought it was really interesting the dynamic. Yeah, I I kind of kept going downhill throughout it, and you know, like it was all it was good, like it was well written, it was engaging, it moved along, you know. But when Ben Riley showed up, 
And I thought, oh, this is what this is going to be. You know, you're going to have this weird rivalry thing going in a legal battle. I, I kind of, and then at the end, you're, you know, like I was like, oh, this is, this is, I see what, like, I see, it's another replacement thing going on. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's reasons that that could be happening. And I think the main one is, like, we can't think of what else to do with this character, and it would be easier and maybe even more fun for the creators to sort of take a different one. But I don't find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't read, I don't know. Like, I, I think a lot of times like, well, why I read some of these books? Like, why do I read the Spider-Man book? Like, I'm not like super invested in Peter Parker, but when you take some creators who are kind of interesting to see what they can do with it, it's one thing, but put another character in there and I'm even, I'm much less invested. Like, right. it might be a great story, but I kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should. I don't know. I don't know where my bias is helping me or hurting me there. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I if if indeed Peter's being, you know, sidelined for Ben Riley, I pro- probably won't read it. I have a very I don't care about Ben Riley. I, I actively think he's a bad idea to keep reintroducing. It's like it, we talked about this last. We talked about this before with Ultimate Spider-Man when they brought that mm-hmm. storyline in, and we talked about the hubris of it. Do you remember that? Yes. Like, we're we're going to make this thing work that almost t- destroyed the entire comics industry, mm-hmm. and. Uh, just, just let it. Go. The problem with comics is, I get it. They got to come out every week. They don't. There's no hiatus, so you got to find stories where you can. But some things, yeah. it's okay to let them just, just go. I th- just I think, let them go. I think. So one thing that's interesting is that, like, when Miles Morales shows up with Peter Parker, it's usually pretty good. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like it works. You know, when Ben Riley shows up, and and again, I wasn't around for most of this stuff, but like, it just, I don't, I don't know the point. It just seems like. It feels very oh we're gonna push Spider Man out of the we're gonna push Peter Parker out of the way now and really I feel like the company the company is always trying to decide and by this I mean the publisher or the, mm-hmm. the larger sort of being of Marvel slash Disney is it the character who's interesting or is it the property that's interesting so is it like are people showing up because it's Spider Man or are people showing up because it's Peter Parker and you and I are showing up because it's Peter Parker yeah and. All of these publishers are betting over and over again that that is not why. And I don't know how it's working out for them. And for theatrical purposes, I see why they have to do that or whatever. But in the comics, you do not have to do that. And so otherwise, it feels very forced, I think, every time we do it. Also, I just just in the tiniest, I thought the last clone thing that they did over in Miles Morales' Spider-Man worked pretty well. But it was a very different type of story. It was just it was not related to this other thing. Um mm-hmm. I thought it worked out okay, but this not the same as this because this is all about things taking your place right. and taking over your life, and and you know, you know, and nobody ever did it better than you know. It's sort of all related to that thing where Eddie Brock shows up, you know, mm-hmm. and he's insinuating himself in Peter Parker's life, and I feel like they were all trying to recapture that with the clones. Um, anyway, I'm all over the place. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was bad, and I did not like it, but I'm not excited about it. Then there was a second story from Kelly Thompson and Travel Foreman that was basically you know, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing having fighting frog creatures, and then Ben Riley shows up, and that was fine. <laughs> the BPRD. <laughs> and, then, and then there was another Zeb Will story that I basically, like, my eyes glossed over trying to read. It was drawn by Ivan Fiorelli, and it was something to do with cl- with cloning Electro, and it wasn't even, like, good Electro. It was movie Electro. I didn't get it. 
uh, at all, but it looked good. It looked really. It looked good. really good, but I just my eyes was like, I don't really care. Stop talking yeah. about cloning things, Spider Man. Jesus. Yeah. Well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another read because I really did enjoy the main story. I just I'm just very concerned with where this is going. I don't I don't want to watch Peter Parker, you know, like getting through radiation sickness though. <laughs> like I'm I'm so not interested in that story. Yeah. You know, like I in the in Ditko saw a bunch of shit fall on him and he found the strength to push it off of him and walk away. I've seen it. You don't you don't, you don't yep. need to do it with radiation and cancer too. I don't I don't need it. Like they they did it. They did it in a page. It was great. You know, like you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like it's um I'd say my second contender for pick of the week was Last Flight Out number two. Mm-hmm. And that was very much in the same vein of, you know, I don't think it blew my socks off, but it was just like the last issue. I said, Oh, this is super competent. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it moves and it is compelling, and I really want to know. It's one of those ones I got to the end of the issue and I was like, I want more. I want to know what happens next, and I want to know right now. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, in comics where we are forced to mainline them, you know, where we can fit the time in, you know, wanting to read more of something means that it's absolutely working. And what's interesting is that when I started reading this issue, uh, this is the story of uh, your Elon Musk type character who's the smartest man in the world and global warming has has made it so that Earth will be unhabitable. And so he has headed the project to take people away from Earth and find a new a new place to be and the whole time that his life has been going on he has his da- his wife died and he is just so wrapped up in his own shit that he's basically left people to raise his daughter and now she is an adult and she's pissed off about it and then they're about to take off and he has to go rescue her when i started the issue i had no recollection of what the last one was i was like two or three pages in and i was like oh it's also extremely similar to what is happening in the why the last man tv series right now mm-hmm. And I, I had to adjust myself a little to like, oh, right, right, okay, this isn't that. Because it's almost the same thing. What um, I liked about this issue the most, I, and I really liked the issue, but what I liked about it the most was that we, we, we found the daughter. Yeah. And yes. my fear was yes. that, so he goes, he had, he had put a tracker on her when she was six. Someone tried to kidnap her, so he had put a little subcutaneous tracking, tracking module in her and... So that's what they were using to find her in Chicago with him and the Navy SEALs that survived the helicopter crash. And they get to where she's supposed to be, and he finds the tracking module that had been dug out of her sitting on like a paper towel in a room. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're going to spend like four issues trying to find the daughter. But no, they find her by the end of the issue. So I like that. That's a really good point. We're moving quickly. Like I was like, because it's only six issues. And I was like, how long are we going to stretch this out? And I was really glad we didn't. So now I don't know where this is going because I I assumed it was going to be like a, you know, Find the daughter, obstacle, find the daughter, obstacle, find the daughter, obstacle, and then find the daughter. Now it's like we've got her. So now what happens? So that's that was good. And then she's working for a company called Terra Salvation that's staying behind to try to fix Earth. And so there's tension in the, in terms of philosophy yeah. of, you know, are you leaving are you abandoning Earth or are you leaving it? And and uh it's good. I just I just don't like the main character at all. He's awful. And that's fair, but I do think that he is showing So what's interesting is that he is showing self reflection. Like, he is recognizing the things that he did wrong, but he is thus far unable to completely abandon that. But he is trying really hard to do the right thing, and I find that interesting. There is an email chain in here Mm -hmm. where he writes to her, and he's trying to, like, figure out where she is, and she's so pissed off. Yeah. And then in doing that, he reverts to the same things. Like, he's he's, uh, resentful 
about it. And, you know, it makes, it just plays into everything that she already thinks about him. And it's everything he's already done. And, you know, normally when you get to a page of text like that, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a grind, it grinds everything to a halt. It, it didn't, it totally yep. showed us where we were. Um, I also like the, by the way, uh, this story, I understand this story. And I think <laughs> that it's done really well. Like, he's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Tony Stark or he's whatever. You know, he is trying to do his best. It's just like, is he capable of it? And does that make him bad? You know, maybe he shouldn't have been a dad, but he, whoever. Like, I think it's a very non-black and white issue of how you sort of, like, how you've lived your life. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, the last thing that I really like about it is that he's got these special forces guys or, or whatever they are to, to that brought him down. He's the most important man in the world. Like, that should be noted. Like He's running the project of saving Yes. Yeah. I mean, so more or less, like, he... He's doing the most important. He really is doing the most important thing on earth. And and he decides, like, I've got to go get my daughter. Um, and so he's got these guys to go with him. And I love that as soldiers, uh, they're extremely competent. Mm-hmm. And they're not being bitchy at him. Right. And they're not, you know what I mean? Because I've seen that story so many times. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not Saving Private Ryan where they're resentful of this mission. They're just like, we have this no. is our mission, we're trying to do it. Let us do and it. so they do, and they just accept it, which, by the way, is so much more realistic from what I understand of soldiers than what happens in Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private right. Ryan is a pretty dramatic type of thing of it, whereas, and I, I was, I've been listening to the Band of Brothers podcast, mm-hmm. and at one point they made a note, um, they got a note from Dick Winters back early, and oh, yeah, it's about, about when they dropped in and to Normandy, and his note was like, you're making them look confused. They weren't. They knew what they had to do. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, we didn't have and our I, stuff. But we knew exactly what we needed to do and where we needed to go. And that's what this person does. That's what the guy with the mustache and the lady with him—they are not griping at him. They have conversations. They're not automatons. But you know, it's like, why are you doing this? So this, is, this is my job to do it. I have to complete the objective. You know, and and he's super competent. They fight off a of vagrant. Um, it's a it's a good book, and it is not in a showy way. Um, I really, I also like the art. It is. Um, it sort of goes between being very character driven and then when he pulls back to show the world it's almost impressionistic it's much simpler there's a shot of chicago mm-hmm. which is you know like it's basically you know there's a warlord it's a wasteland you know and the lines are you know there's boats in the river and it's almost sketchy it's really yeah basic. it's almost like a yeah. sketch yeah eduardo really... ferragato and natalia marquez who's this is a co-creator i want to i want to note yeah. because it's not it's not just that so uh yeah this i i Next time it comes out, I'll remember what it is. <laughs> it, it, there was a there was a couple of books we read this week that were like genre mashups, mm-hmm. and I was just really yeah. happy that this is just a straight on like it's not even a it's sort of a sci fi story, but it's not really. It's just because it's set in the future, but it could be set it could be set now. Yeah, um, it's just a straight I mean, on story. I mean, I mean, what five years, six years? <laughs> I mean, there's there's no technology here really that is not impossible, other than probably the giant ships taking us off planet. Everything right. else is pretty much. You know, yeah. it's helicopters and machine guns. So I really, I did really like this. I'm glad. I don't. I think it was because it was a, almost the patron pick that we read it, but it was very good. Yeah. No, I, I, I probably would have anyway, just because. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's you and me were so glad that it. You know, oh, uh, and she's a werewolf. You know, like that didn't right. happen. Right. Um, well, maybe she is. We don't know yet. Let's possible. take a quick break and talk about second print comics. The world of comics, characters, and the universe shattering continuity can get a little complicated. Don't we know that? So what's the best place to start? Our friends at Second Print Comics Podcast have you covered 
From the viewpoint of two different comic book generations, Mark Clare from the early 90s and Remso Martinez from mid-2000s, bringing deep dives each and every Wednesday into the stories, characters, and events that inspired their comic book fandom. Covering every publisher from Marvel, DC, Image, and Valiant, and everything in between, whether you're a comic book newbie or a seasoned collector, this is the best show to revitalize your fanhood and remember why you became a comic book addict to begin with. Subscribe today from your favorite podcatcher or head over to secondprintcomics.com. And you too can, as Mark and Remso say, read comics and change the world. Plus, they're on Patreon. I have a special offer for iFanboy patrons. So those of you in the iFanboy faithful who are patrons, check out uh, the details. They're on the patron, our patron page. But we'll tell you right now, Second Front Comics is on patrons. as a special offer for you. This, the, be- the deal is this. Any iFanboy patron who signs up for the SPC patron will receive one free month at whatever level they choose to join at. Whether they sign up, when they sign up, they can simply message the code iFanboy to us at Patreon, and we'll issue you a refund for the first month. This will give you access to all of our bonus content, including shows, the Remso Rants, the Random Marvel Comics Podcast, Remso versus the MCU, Tales from the Fucket Pile, recaps of every Marvel Disney Plus show, and so much more, all for as little as $5 a month. Go to secondprintcomics.com or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So check them out, secondprintcomics.com. Reignite your fandom. Thank you so much. The Worst Dudes, number five. I assume that this is not a thing that you read. I, read, I looked at the first issue and I said, this is not something I'm interested in. And I didn't read it. That's, that's very fair. Yeah. Um, this is a five-issue miniseries from Dark Horse, uh, by, written by Aubrey Citizen, uh, with art by Tony Gregori. Um, I'm, I would have a hard time explaining what it is. It, uh, Aubrey has a kind of comic book that he likes to do, which is very, um, I was going to say in your face, but I hate that, yeah. but it's kind of like that. That's this, his style. This, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, he wants it to be big and kind of dumb and loud. And this is a lot of those things at once. It's, 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 it's yes, but it's funny and mm-hmm. it's crass. It's very, I think if you like, um, Rick Remender's, let's say more towards the scumbag side of things. Right. Um, you might find something you like in here. That point being, uh, I was reading it. I was a little lost for a bit, and it was fine. There's sort of, you know, crass humor in there. But I read the last two issues uh, this time, and and it kind of gelled to me what I was reading. I was like, oh, here's the story. Here's who these characters are. Because at first, you don't have a context for them. Um, and by the end, I got to the end uh, in part five. And I was like, I really enjoyed that. And I kind of surprised myself. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a bit at the end uh, where, I, forget, I don't know what it is, but the, the, the mission that they have sort of goes sideways at the end. And they're like, oh, well. And the three main characters like get an apartment together so they can hang out. <laughs> and the one guy's like, how'd you do this? And I don't know what it is, but there's a big, large, pink, fat cat lion man. Uh-huh. Um, and he pulls out like a this little gold trinket or whatever, which apparently has power or magic, or whatever. Like, where the hell, how do you still have that? And he goes, I keistered it. <laughs> and I thought that's the funniest thing I've had all week. I've never heard <laughs> smuggling something in your butt and then using the word keister as a verb. And it made me laugh. And, uh, I told Aubrey, uh, I texted him and he goes, I can't believe you read through all five issues of that. And I was like, I know, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. it. It It is exactly what it promises to be uh and 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 a little more it's it's over the top it is uh it's very silly but i I found it was enjoyable wonder woman the 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular number one i missed a word there in the script because there's a lot of words in the title 
this is the ongoing specials that DC's been doing to honor the 80th anniversary of their big characters because they're, they're all hitting in the last couple of years. I'm not going to go over all nine stories, and I think this issue falls overall at the lower end of the spectrum, like the Aquaman book, as opposed to like Green Arrow. Or I, I think it was slightly better than the Aquaman book. Yeah, no, no, Aquaman yeah. remains the worst one, but this was this is better than that. But it just it's on the more on that side than like Green Arrow and Batman, yes. and Superman, and Robin. Uh, but I do want to mention a couple of stories. One, the first one, the In Memoriam one, which takes place in the current continuity, which is strange because in the other books, the current continuity story always ended the book. But I didn't get why they started it here because it's sort of a sort of a look at her entire history as Steve Trevor shows uh, at a candy his documentary he's been making on the sly about Wonder Woman. So it's a good overview of her uh, as a character in a history. And it's, and it's drawn by Jim Chung. By drawn by Jim Chung, gorgeous. Yeah. And you know, in the current continuity, they all think she's dead, even though she's she's currently sort of trapped in the God world. Uh, so this, you know, he's very sad. But the the big news here is that he's started dating again. So when she does come back, it's going to be a problem for whoever he's dating. Because can I tell you? And I don't want to go through the whole thing either. Yeah, no, we're not. Like to. it, it, it went, it went downhill from there. There was stuff in there that was okay, but after about the halfway point, I was, I was a slog. I was like, oh, these are, this is not getting me anywhere. And yeah. it is wholly to the point that literally, I think nobody knows who the hell Wonder Woman is. And they don't know how to write her. And you know, no... we've we talked about that for years. There's, she's yeah. on a pedestal for too many creators, and they just won't make her, fa- you know, interesting or fallible. For and a there's lot not of an, there's not an overarching story for her for them to grab onto because they've tried to reinvent her in so many different ways. And that's what they went through here. They just took the different kinds. But that, the, anyway, my actual point here is that the, the the conceit of the first story is that Steve Trevor on the side decides to make a documentary and i was like that's so fucking stupid it's so dumb he's a super soldier yeah, he, you don't just make a side you don't you know no you don't just make a documentary i'm offended as maybe a person, as a kid he made documentaries you don't know there's people are people oh, are multifaceted whatever that's I, I, hard and 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 <laughs> like, I, also maybe it's not good we don't know all we're seeing is a still it's, it's not good there's uh, no way that what he did was good, and I that's the why I'm offended. Because it was it's it's the the backup they've been running. That's like a young readers. Then I got bored of that, so I skipped that one. The younger reader one was was fine. I really liked the, the Dear Diana, Mark Wade, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez story. Which that first was I the, yeah, he, that was my favorite. I thought he was dead, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. So I was glad to see he's not dead. He, not only is he not dead, I was like, this is. Gorgeous. He that was still a fun story. Has it? He's one of the most. He, he is one of the most important artists of all time at DC, and a lot of people don't know Holy. that. But uh, this was a great story in which Wonder Woman gets really tired of being the Justice League sounding board and therapist in sort of the, in, in sort of the Silver Age era. Can and I, just, uh, God, I like it a lot. It's gorgeous. Yeah. This guy could draw a book, and I'd be happy with it right now. It's, it's yeah. everything I want. Uh, can I? How come Mark Wade's so good? How come he's the only guy who can do this? Because he's he's just he's a talented writer who understands the history of the characters in their essence. He's like the perfect he, Jeff Johns, you know, essence of the character writer. It's just that, you know, he's been in ex- DC exile because he and Dendidio did not get along. So hopefully. I know, but like, and that's fair. By the way, if if you've ever spent any time, not even with those people, but reading things they've written, totally makes sense. And they're both probably at fault. <laughs> but like, the fact is, you mean he they're both a little hard headed? 
little, little bit, a little opinionated. Uh, entitled, and it's it's earned entitlement too. Sure. Like it's not even like it's like yeah, you, you're not wrong. But like when he shows up, he can do a short story. Yeah, he, he can, can do an art like he, and it's interesting. It's not like oh, this is just him doing his thing. Like it's a different take every time. It's it's insane how good he is, and I don't think we talk about him in those terms. No, we, we just haven't... we take him for granted. For for the you know there was a long time in, on this yes. show where he was talked about all the time, and then he went off and did like. He was the editor of Heavy Metal. And he's he was the, he's doing, the editor in chief at Humanoids now, or yeah, something. Yeah, he was doing Archie's. Like, like it's just that he's been Boom. off on the, in the hinterlands. And then the, the and I love that story. My my other favorite one was the totally wacky Tom King Doc Shaner one that takes place in the '60s. And I and on social media, Tom King <laughs> said this was based on a book from the '60s, a story from the '60s. And Fab. here, uh, Lois, who is not interested in Clark Kent at all sets him up on a date with her, um, the boutique owner of her store, and uh, the boutique owner of her store is Wonder Woman. She doesn't know that. This is back when Wonder Woman had a store, a clothing store, <laughs> in the 60s. And so, um, wait, why not? She just tried retail for a while. And uh, so they... So they because you know it doesn't take oh, it's all funny your when time. you say it out loud. <laughs> so they go on a date, but Clark's way too square in his gray suit. So in his Don Draper gray suit. So he, she puts him in like a super mod '60s outfit, and they go to like a club, and and they, he just looks too much like a cop. And I just thought it was a it was a fun, funny story that they that really allowed Tom King to to, to lean into the '60s tropes and the '60s dialogue. And Doc Shaner was obviously terrific in this. I thought this was a really fun story too. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's right. There's other, you know, things in here, but this is Stephanie Phillips' story. But for the most part, those those three, the uh, the opening one, the Mark Wade one, and the Doc, and the King, Sheehan, yeah. one were my favorites. Just try, try and retail. <laughs> Just try and retail. The Me You Love in the Dark, number three. Uh, this is a Dark Horse pick up for the pick of the week, because uh, I really liked it, but I don't really have anything the Dark Horse to pick say from about image? it. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's what it's, I mean. This issue was strange, I thought, because and I like this book, and I've liked the first two issues a lot. It's it's just moving very quickly, you know. I'm kind of okay. It's just it's almost like it's like the um, montage sort of. Yeah, love this story. issue would have, been, would have been the sort of musical montage in the movie where we, we were just skipping a lot of time to get to where we need to go. But um, I, just, I I like that. It's a, a lot about a mood and a feeling, and it's so different. I would never guess that this got this is a Scotty Young. It's very different. I it's, think my problem is I don't understand why this woman is in love with this strange black spirit, or why she wants to have sex with a with strange black spirit. Like the, he's done nothing really well, to, to show why. It's just sort of happening. That's, that's true. fine, but that's the only thing I, was, I think the book is lacking. It's like. Why is she not totally freaked out by this? Like, give me something like, in her head about why this is okay. He isn't, he's not really humanoid. You know, it's not like it's a well, handsome, you know, right. black I, I was going to say that. If he, if, he was, if he was super hot, you'd be like, fair enough. We've all been Right, that. that's what I mean. Like, if it was like, you know, just a super hot, all black ghost, cool, fair enough. But this is like, a he's like, you know, looks like early Gollum before they made the the yeah. CGI better in, in the second Lord of the Rings movie. So I don't know. I, I, it's almost like he's saying the right things. And that's almost enough for for whatever. But there's a slight hint in this, and I don't know is that is this in her mind? 
there's and there's just there's a little bit of doubt there's there's um like the the darker side of it seems to be very distantly sort of hinted at and maybe that's not a thing and i think it'd kind of be interesting if it wasn't a thing like it's just kind of a love story in this this weird thing but i, I did like how it is so dreamy mm-hmm. both in um, sort of in the story and the characters, but all, all of this, I think the characters are fairly well grounded, but I really liked how uh, Jorge Corona interpreted it. Oh, it's beautiful. And, and, it's and, beautiful and, and, and Bolia. Like, it's just, it's so, it's very different from what happens, you know, in, in so many comic books. And, and again, I keep looking at it like, I don't know what the script looks like for something like this, because it's so emotionally charged rather than storytelling. It is storytelling. It's right. just it's a different thing, and I, I'm impressed by that part. Yeah, no, it's 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 beautiful, it's, and it's mm-hmm. unusual. I'm not, I don't dislike yeah. it at all. I just at the end of the issue, I was like, why? I need to know why. I need some mm-hmm. some explanation, some interest, or in exploring why that she's into this. Yep. I mean, maybe she's just I mean, she's lonely. She's she's dark, but like still some why. Uh, so those why? books we want to talk about, but at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week we had a three-way race for the the winner, and the winner by one so, single solitary vote was Chicken Devil, number one from Aftershock, uh, written by Brian Bucoletto, art by Hayden Sherman, letters by Hassan Osmane Elahu. And uh, what I appreciated about this issue was that it was a crime story, and there was no other situation going on, which is yeah. not unusual with some of the smaller publishers. That's true. I also really like the art. It was not what I was expecting from the cover, but I liked it. I I think it was very close to a Breaking Bad sort of situation, and they even reference Breaking Bad yeah. in here. Yeah. Um, there's a bit in the beginning. It's almost like it moved too fast, or at least there was a couple of beats that needed to be there. Mm-hmm. This guy gets up in the morning. He's you know arguing with his kid about something. Fine, I understand that. He goes into the city where there's they're at some sort of warehouse. or It's not really explained like what he does or who he is. He's just in this place, and then well, all he, of a sudden, he owns a chain of criminals. He owns right. a chain of really successful chicken, hot chicken I, restaurants. And I sorted that out, but it wasn't like I had to, I didn't know where he was at the beginning of it. And yeah, not the, in a way I, that was like, I'll say oh, the that's art clever. in the beginning, like I didn't know what I was looking at when they were, when he gets right. to the warehouse and there's stuff, a bunch of stuff had burned. I was like, what, what is, right. what am I looking at? That was, the and problem. then on the next page, you know, track suited, you know, criminals, Russian gangsters are, are coming in and I'm like, who are these? And it, what, that part of the story was not told well because I couldn't follow it. And I went back and then there's a lot of people standing around and I didn't know what had happened. I figured it out later in the issue. But it, it seems like his partner, they're involved in this successful business, and his partner has uh, aligned himself with criminals to help them smuggle drugs in the chicken stuff, which, again, very Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. And then his family gets blown up. and Which I actually appreciated. At first, I was like, oh, shit. But mm-hmm. at least something completely unexpected happened. Like, I didn't, I didn't think yes. they would, like, he would, you know, they're, he, they're, so they're... His partner was smuggling, helping smuggle drugs for this this gang. Uh, the fire in the warehouse destroyed one of the one of the um, shipments. Although it didn't, it turns out the, the the partner had stolen the shipment, and so obviously their families are threatened by the gang. And they say you're gonna, you know, you and all you people you love will die if we don't get our money. They try to escape via yacht, 
from the port which of is Marina weird Del Rey. also i yeah. chartered a yacht okay that's and a weird choice so the family gets on the yacht and he's like i gotta go take care of this just i'll meet you somewhere else and then the yacht explodes so i was like whoa shit that's that's a bold <laughs> choice because that's that takes a large bomb by the way yeah, yeah. that's a big explosion and so and now this guy is away. is on his own. I read the once this became like a a contender for for the patron pick. I read the solicit for it, and I guess the whole pitch behind this book is you know these ordinary guys who get caught up in crime and have to get themselves out of it. Stories. The the idea was those guys are always way more competent than you would think they would be. And so this guy is basically a normal guy who's not competent. He's not brave. He's not. He can't shoot a gun. He can't outthink the like so it's the idea of what would a normal guy do in this situation and i don't know seems like he goes crazy and wears the chicken suit the mascot suit um but uh i i don't know it's i think it's very thin i think the it moved very quickly i did like by the end i did really like the art i like the use of of the fisheye a lot i thought there was interesting angles Uh i thought the last page that really low angled extreme sort of focus on the like i thought that was interesting it, there were problems at the beginning but by the end of it i liked it more um it you just moved very quickly his mom was a criminal his his mom is max dad from always sunny how did he get up to central california and back so quickly it's listen it's one of those things that has a high concept and it moves really fast and you kind of either enjoy the ride or you don't is what i think it is it's not going to be a lot of like explaining it doesn't seem like it's very deep on character stuff right which is probably what it should be, but but I was left, you know, like underwhelmed. I guess I, I think it wasn't. It this like I said, it was too thin for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a concept that's sort of familiar in a bunch of different ways, and and it didn't surprise me at any right. point. I mean, the thing that you found surprising was that they actually introduced something with stakes. Yes, and that should be a surprise. That should be <laughs> that, that's that's like a basic move. Um. Yeah, and I did like I. I also like we weren't around long, and I maybe this is part of it. Like we weren't around long enough to know this guy or care about him. Right, and that's, it's easier on TV when it's an actor. You can you can that's attach you can attach emotional resonance to because you've seen Jason Bateman in a lot of things. So when Ozark starts in almost the same way, and this was very much like Ozark mixed with Breaking Bad. Yeah, uh, because that's what you know. Ozark, the partner, cheats the criminals, and it's up to this one guy to clean up the mess, but. Uh, <laughs> it's up to Michael Bluth to so, but you can attach you can attach historical emotional that's a, attachment that's a really to good point you can't to a drawing so and this is a TV script I mean and I, and I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way but it genuinely feels like this was a pilot script and they made it into a comic book possibly I mean Bucoletto's he's writing a lot of comics but who knows yep well, I mean, and, and I don't blame somebody for that. They're saying, well, this genre works in TV. Let's try it in comics. Not even like in a, like, oh, we can't make it on TV. Let's make it here. It's just, it's a style of storytelling. Right. Um, yeah. So what was your rating on Chicken Devil, number one, ratings? Two and a half. <clears throat> Out of five? I'm going to give it a three. Mm-hmm. Sticking with it? No. I don't think I am either. If someone had me the trade for it, I'd probably read it. But... It could very much, you know, first issue is to do a lot of work, but sure. at the end, it wasn't, you know, and by the end, maybe it'll be great. Uh, that's very possible. You know, all the ingenuity could be later, but the first part, it just wasn't enough that was unique or interesting. Yeah. 
Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every page can vote to book the rundown, but if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show, like these four patrons. And someone asked on one of our last, was it the Hangout or was it the show? I don't remember what. Like, you know, there's a lot of people. So if you signed up this year, you're still on the list. It's just going to get to you. Just a lot of people to get through. Yep. Yep. And we, we, we pay a lot of attention to it. If somebody, you know, was, was, you know, let's us if you think that you should have had yours, it's been years or whatever, like let us know and we will we will take care of it. But we're we're on it as much as it's possible to be. Yep. So uh yeah, we, we're 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 not taking this part lightly because we know that it's cool and you've you've done your part, we gotta do ours. Yep. Adam Steen's part is that he can do he can do basic landscaping with his mind. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some similar powers this week. Oh good. <laughs> good. You know, you you're you, you you know, we're talking about yards. Cuts the grass, not, cuts the hedges. You know, retaining walls, uh, you know, like he kills Nothing off crazy. the Nothing crazy. He can't dig a pool. No, he's not digging a pool and he's not doing like an industrial site. You know, right. they've built like an office park and you're doing well, It's not backyard. that. You know, it's something that you could do with a buddy and possibly a bobcat. Right. You know, but he's he's like a magneto, but for neighborhood landscaping. Right. Thing is, we don't know if he's interested in landscaping at all. Like, for example, I hate landscaping. Mm -hmm. I will do the bare minimum. But if you could magneto that shit. Maybe. Maybe. But I'm also just not interested in it. Because the idea about it is, all you're doing is cleaning something up that will make itself messy all on its own in a short amount of time. It's like cutting your hair. Yeah, but... My hair looked good. <laughs> Juan, Juan Ramirez should team up with Adam because Juan Ramirez can, uh, at a touch, rebuild any structure. So, like, if you've got, like, an old falling down garage in the back of your property uh-huh. and you're just like, oh, fuck, this is never going to get fixed. Juan could touch it and, and, and it restores to its, its original glory. Fully, like, like paint and yeah, like electricity. And does this this is only structures? So like a dirty old shoe? No, it's got to be it's got to be like a like a like a like a building. Okay, and it has to okay. be there. It's not like he can re- 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 return an old okay. building. Okay, to, it's got he's got to be able to touch the like the part of it at least, and it comes back. Right, bring it back. every homeowner in the world just had like a like a fantasy. Oh my! God. But it, it's it's the original. He can't. You know, if you if you're in a oh, house that's, that's been heavily. You know, like updated and modified and modernized. If he does that, it's going to be back to its original 1950s, you know, glory. The whole, it, okay, is it the whole thing or is it only part of it? It's the whole thing. So, for example, yeah. I have a house that was built in the 70s, right. which, as far as I can tell, was the worst time to build a house. <laughs> um, and at some point, they added a garage onto the house. Yeah. Is it if detached? If he fixes the house, does the... No, it's attached. Oh, you're in trouble. If he fixes the house, does the garage disappear? No. What about the code? No. What about the like we had to bring it up to code because yes, it was it, built in the seventies, which no. I previously mentioned was the worst time to build a house. Any modernization is gone. I'm 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 rethinking the the benefit of this at all. Yeah, You'd be nice. really good for sort of the late era like uh prefab housing that is all just junk that melts in rain. Uh, Listen, it doesn't mean that he, it's not always a benefit, but he could fix things, you know. On the on the other hand, the the sort of uh you know uh restoration of sort of the um what do you, what do you call it like a um you make a building important and you save them 
historical restorations. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like, so, like, yeah. you know, this is George Washington's childhood home. Yes. You know. It would actually be authentic, authentically a, a restored and as opposed to whatever they've done. Landmark was the yes. word I was looking Landmark for. Landmark restorations. Craig Smith can convert any uh, non-biodegradable biodegradable garbage into delicious Skittles. <laughs> now... That could cause its own problems, sure. nor do I know if Skittles are, in fact, biodegradable. Sure. <laughs> like, if you biled, if you if you had, like, a, a cubic acre of Skittles, would they be around for a million years? I don't know. Um, It'd be delicious, though. It would be. And, you know, there's other health problems that could come from eating only Skittles. But I don't know the last time I had a Skittle. Have you ever had a sour Skittle? Uh, probably. I used to, I mean, Skittles was one of my go-to candies in, in my teens and twenties. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, as I've aged into someone who shouldn't be eating candy, I, I don't think I've had it in probably 10 years. I mean, I'm going to ask you, what's the point of a life where you shouldn't be eating candy? I probably have some of it, you know, yeah, it's probably a Halloween where I probably had, had like a small pack of right. Skittles, but you know, I used to be like, you know, get a big bag of Skittles. Yeah. College, it was Starbursts. I remember that. Yeah, I love Starbursts. So, that garbage is going to be Skittles. <laughs> and it's not like they're in packages either. It's no, it's fucking just a pile just, of Skittles. You better get the ones on top. And you better also hope that they're the regular Skittles and not some weird fucking tropical fruit limited edition <laughs> one that does taste like shit. Alex Mansfield, and this may be a dupe power, but it's okay. Alex Mansfield, when, he's, when and only when he sings karaoke... And I mean, like the full on, like the screen, the screen, and the backup music. Not like singing in his car or in the stair, you know, in the shower or anything. When he does karaoke, he becomes the singer. Like it just, he becomes David Bowie or he becomes whoever. On just be, that turns into that person. Well, for the duration of the song. So it wow. sounds just like him, looks just like him. Is them. Hmm. Yep. I don't think you've done that before. But it's not, you know, you can't put him on stage at the Grammys. So you, to to bring back a dead singer, like he's got to be in a karaoke place. Oh, but you, like you couldn't put like a like you couldn't mic a low rent karaoke setup for the Grammys and have him come on and do it. No, it's got to be a karaoke location. I guess they could cut to a camera at the karaoke karaoke location, but it's got to be at a karaoke karaoke location. So I did karaoke one time, mm-hmm. and it was at the Camp Fuzz, the Dinosaur Junior Rock Camp. Yep, and um. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this here because I've always been terrified to do it. Yeah. And uh, no one cared. It's whatever. Uh, but there was one guy and he did a B-52s song and apparently he's in a very successful B-52s tribute band. And so he did all the Fred Schneider parts. Of course he did. And people were just blown away by it. Sure. And I was annoyed for some reason. <laughs> ah, just came, I was like, oh God, it's, it was grating. <laughs> It's like I, I don't like that anyway. Not a guy who's doing it. My but they my were, favorite they love thing it. about karaoke is when someone who is totally unexpected is good at it. Oh yeah. Were you there when our old coworker Will suddenly did it at some place we were at? No. He's like the quietest, shyest, guy, like gentle yeah. giant guy, like a huge yeah, yeah. mountain of a man. And somewhere we went, I don't know where it was because it was like fifteen years ago. Uh, he did like karaoke with the band scenario and he was uh-huh. incredible and it was great like, and it's like this i was like I never would have imagined that in a million years also at darwin cook's wedding 
Uh, I mean, it's not surprising because he's in a band, but um, Mike Allred was terrific. They did a they had a karaoke in the band scenario for the wedding, and oh, oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's he was fun. really really good. I we I went to a work thing, and there's this guy, and he was the head of IT, mm-hmm. and he was one of those guys that you not IT uh, engineering more or less whatever you it wasn't called that, but um, and he's a guy who was very 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 straightforward. And in meetings, he would he would be the person who was annoyed when things went off track of where they were supposed to go and just, like, kept everything in. Yep. And then at a holiday party, they did karaoke with the band. And he got... I don't remember the song he did, but I have never been so impressed by a person doing it. <laughs> it was just from out of nowhere, like, great voice. Yeah. He was dancing. He did the whole... And it was like, it was revelatory. And I thought of him completely different after that. Yeah, um, it's great. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's... Anyway. It, yeah, anyway, we, we keep talking about this. <laughs> this, is, this is why we're running really long. This is just reminiscent day. <laughs> um, and the people who allow us to run long like this are the patrons. You can obviously get your superpower if you're at the $5 level higher, but there are, there's other things involved with it. Uh, the patrons have unlocked the patron pick, the talk explodes, the book explodes, the media explodes, the YouTube content being uploaded, monthly hangouts, Discord and Facebook patron groups. Uh, there are new stretch goals. Uh, the, the, you can read about them. We've talked about them before, but a, a comic book TV show, uh, special edition, and then after that, barbecue video show uh, at the next level. We'll see if those ever happen. If well, not, comic but, TV but, show but, special editions, like show, yes. shows for other for comic book shows that have finished, not just one one episode. It's the it's out there. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. Uh, the people who who do it, um, we cannot thank you enough. Uh, you know, I think that it's really revitalized everything about. It's been going on a while now, but I still think of it as new because we've been doing this for so long. I think it's had a real revitalizing force, uh, not just you know, in people you know coming in and giving money, but just sort of our commitment to having to do this thing because we're beholden to you people in a way that <laughs> to you people in a way that we were not before. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Get over to ifanboy.com. Uh, I'm sorry. ifanboy.threadless.com and you can find our 11 t-shirts designs. But listen, t-shirts, that's only your start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm waiting. I got a new phone and I'm waiting for the upgraded cases because I'm going to make this happen now. I haven't decided which, which one. You don't know? I'm leaning towards Clint is dead. <laughs> but also, I really like a GDAT. Yeah. Because it's it's ridiculous. Yes. And also, I think we, we should sell at least one thing that has GDAT on it. Oh, yeah. It's just the least, <laughs> this is the least seller, which is fine. I don't really care. Uh, but, we're working on at least one other one right now. I have a GDAT t-shirt. Um, I know. I, I have to get it. I just haven't done it in a while. Uh, I wear, I, have t- I only have two of them, and I, but I wear them all the No, it's not true. I have three. One doesn't fit anymore. Uh, but I wear them a lot. They're great yeah. shirts. Uh, ifamer.com slash support to PayPal link. Uh, ifamer.com slash Amazon. You will find uh, the bo- uh, links to buy the Booksplodes. And the link is, the music is always linked on the show page. And there's a general link for Amazon. If you, uh, that's an affiliate account, go do that. If you're going to order that stuff anyway, that'd be helpful. Uh, I, I think, my friend, we're going to have to save these. Oh, we can do the voicemail, I guess. No, it's Let's too long. Vo- it's too long. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to save these. We'll get them for next week. I, I just I do want to mention it. Too. I just want to mention that Mike from Buffalo, New York, sent in a voicemail for our 800th episode. And we had planned to do it on the 800th episode. We were going to end the show with the voicemail. But it did not work from the live stream. No one could hear it, including, most importantly, the co-hosts. So we would, like, we would have done it if the, if, the, if the chat room couldn't hear it. But, but Josh and Ryan couldn't hear it, so we couldn't do it. Um, we want to find a way to do it. It's just... It's just long, so we'll have to do it another week, perhaps. But. I will. You know what? I will do this one. 
from Dan. Yeah. Dan said, I loved 800. Just finished after listening through the week. Question, did, how did Ryan feel the next day? Or how's he feeling today? He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> he had a Brian, he got drunk and then he was fine. That's how it he works. got he got he got unexpectedly drunk with the one drink. Yeah. And at the beginning of the thing, his wife made him the drink. So, you know, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, at the beginning I thought that's a very full glass. There was never a second one. He was drinking water. It just got him. That was that was my favorite bit as I was editing in the show. You said, Well, that looks really full. And I was like, Oh, at this point Josh isn't it's like it's like it's like foreshadowing and you didn't even realize it. But uh, he was fine. He's a young guy. He had one. He got. One, he was tired. He got drunk uh, f- very hilariously, and then he was fine the next day. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like he woke up in an alley. No, and was like, "Oh no, what did I do? <laughs> There's blood on my shoes." Like, <laughs> he just. He just became much less able to explain comic books and science. That's yeah. what happened. <laughs> it was, was there. He just couldn't find it. Yeah, it was good, but he was okay. Thanks. So Thanks that was that was though. super fun show. Contact.fanboy.com. That's where you can write in. Uh, thanks, Dan, and all those who wrote in this week. And we'll try to get more of the emails of the show. And you can also write in for Media Explode. Uh, just put that in the subject line so we know that you mean it for the Media Explode show, uh, which is uh, coming up soon. I'll get to that in a second. So here's what we have going on. Again, this is the part of the show I do for my health. Josh's Talk Explode Ma- Matthew Rosenberg show is out behind the show in the feed. Not directly, but two back. And that's his most recent Talk Explode talking to the, uh, Matthew Rosenberg, the, one of the hot new writers. I say that, but he's been around for like ever five years. But he's he's finally becoming a big name, and now as he moves from Marvel over to DC, so go we'll listen to that conversation this week. But this it's largely about his new uh, yes, creator series, series, which is fantastic, and you should pre-order it with uh, which has a music tie-in. So check that out. Yep. Uh, this coming week, if all goes to plan. Well, there'll be a media explode. We're planning on recording it, so hopefully it comes out. But we're going to be talking about Ted Lasso Season 2, which just wrapped up, and we're also going to be reviewing The Many Saints of Newark, The Sopranos film. So those are going to be the two main topics. You can check those out on the media explode, hopefully coming to you this very week. And then the rest of this month, there should be three shows coming. A special edition about What If, which also just wrapped up its season. A special edition on Injustice, the film, the next DC animated film, which comes out at the end of the month. And perhaps even a Talksplode that Josh has been talking about having already booked. Mm-hmm. So those you can look forward to those three. And then next month, the month of November, there should be a Booksplode, which Josh and I should really start talking about. Because we talked about it a little. Yeah, we just have to figure it out, the logistics. And then yes. uh, in November, you should also get a Shang-Chi review because that's when it hits streaming. And Eternals comes out in November. We'll have to figure that out. Josh, I've been thinking, and I may I may try to go to daytime movie shows. That might might feel better about going there. Those who are, that are less full, so maybe I'll try to see Eternals on the big screen in the daytime. Uh, because I feel like Chloe Zhao is, shoots a f- beautiful film, and I've heard this is really gorgeous. So maybe I'll try to see that on the big screen. But cool. anyway, the point is, Shang Chi will come out on uh, November, unless something happens and we see it. So Josh and I both go see it. It's all up in the air right now. But that's for all those people who keep asking who don't listen to this part of the show. Head to iFinbar.com. You can find all the shows, all the vast history of comic book writing from our writers that have been on there and ourselves. Um, you can go, go to Facebook.com slash iFanboy, at iFanboy on Twitter, at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the shows come out. You can follow us individually at C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. If you like movie stills from classic films <laughs> or you like some wanker on a guitar. I haven't even had time uh, to post anything. I'm just... Tired. No, I know. I know. I'm just so tired and busy. 
<laughs> you can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy, and you can keep up to date with the old video show re-uploads. That's a, that's a misnomer, that sentence. Keep up to date on the old things. Mm. But if you were to go there in the past week, you would have found there's a, there's a mini. And you, if you want to know what comics were coming out on the week of July 2nd, 2008, well, pal... I got something special for you. And you want sure a sleeveless to... Josh to tell you. Are you kidding me? No. You're out on the street of Queens and no sleeves. Whoa. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, uh, this is WonderCon 2021, but of course it is WonderCon uh, 2010 that it yeah. is. I just I write the year a lot, and I guess I went into autopilot. Yep. Uh, <laughs> kick ass. Uh, with a review of, of the, the comic. movie. No, of the, the comic. Of the comic. This is before and the it, movie came out. And an interview with the cast and John Romita Jr. Yeah. That was the first movie I saw after my son, my first son was born. I got like a, like, like not too long after I went to like a screening. Yeah, you and I went it. to the, to the Oh, you screening. were there? Yeah. And they were all the people that were. Romita was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was like the Marvel yeah. screening. I was, I was like in a haze at that point. I was like Ryan. <laughs> yeah. This was the show that came out right before the film. So it was a review of the book. And then Ron had interviewed the cast at. WonderCon the previous couple of weeks, so that was there, and then also Ramita as well. That was the really Wrap awkward interview with Aaron Johnson, <laughs> and uh, also Chloe. That's uh, a guy that I never recognized from one movie to the next. He's changed, which I guess is good for an actor. If you like the show, write a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, whatever aggregator you use. Please consider doing that. It helps all, every podcast you listen to, not just ours. So. Just take a moment to leave a star rating. It really helps everyone. And even better than that is word of mouth. Tell your friends. If someone asks, hey, I, I, I want to start listening to podcasts. I like comics. Which one should I listen to? We're always grateful when people mention iFanboy. Thank you very much. And that's it for this week's show. I am Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks so much. 